Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. <laughs> oh. That's funny, huh? Hi, I'm April Lovett. And I'm Daryl Lovett. We've been together for six years, and we have a sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and talkative little boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we own the Lovett Company. We do so much together, and we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. That's right. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we wanted to share with you how we managed to run our business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we will talk about navigating the gray in life. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, y'all? What's up? Uh, get the hat on tonight. <laughs> get the hat on tonight. Cock to the side. Yes, I should have got you a different drink. Oh, oh, some, 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 uh. Like a Jack and Coke or something. You know? You just give me toe up around this piece. <laughs> get the hat on. All right. We got a pretty good episode tonight. Mm-hmm. So. I'm excited. All right. I didn't do it. I didn't have to do any of the research for this one. So I'm real excited. Okay. Okay. You ready to do this though? I'm ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast. We are back one more again. We are back one more again. Coming to you live. From the house. Because where else would we be? Quarantine 2020. Woo woo. <laughs> so for everybody that's listening and can't see, um, and I also post this on YouTube at some point when I get around to uploading it, I got my Way behind. hat on, cocked to the side. <sighs> yeah. Representing the night, and you'll learn a little bit more about why. Yeah, you repping. You know? Perpetuating the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> what stereotype may you ask? You will find out soon. <laughs> but I got my hat on, cocked to the side, revving one time for the 850. What you know, get with us, let's go. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a really fun episode. <laughs> you put me in charge. I did put you in charge. You put me in charge. I was really excited that this is the first episode I didn't have to do a lot of research. But you know what? I wonder why this episode, though. Well, I asked you to come up with a buzzword, so. I know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this one, I should have picked another one. Why? To kind of fit more of the narrative for, like, you. But I picked one that... I'm going to rep strong tonight. Yes, you are. I'm excited. So we are continuing yeah. our series that could be in, intermittent because we want to do a couple interviews and talk about other things in between. But this is another one of our buzzwords busted. That's right. Episodes. Absolutely. So our buzzword for this episode is. Daryl's real excited. A certain five letter word. That has made an uprise in the past five years or so, and more recently this past year, and actually last year a little bit. I would say since 2016. Yeah. If we're being real honest 2015. here. 2015. 2014 from one article I found. <laughs> to be real real. <laughs> so we can take this thing back, you yeah. know, the past five years or so. Um, yeah. It's a word that I hear a lot, and I've even used a lot. In, in, in my community, the black community, um, I've heard it a lot and I've used it a lot. And I know uh, in the hood, it's a word that kind of, you know, is thrown around and it has different, um, you know, definitions and it represents different things for different people, depending on who is using it and how they're using it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the word. You good? I'm good. Okay, you got the glass in hand. The word 
I know y'all waiting. Y'all want to hear the word <laughs> that we're going to be talking about and busting up on this episode of Success in Black and White. The podcast is capital T, capital H, capital U, capital G, thug. We're going to be talking about thug. Yes, we are. You ready for this? I'm ready. Are you ready? I am. You didn't marry a thug. Well, I guess. I don't know. It depends on who's saying it. (laughs) But I got my hat on, cocked to the side, perpetuating the stereotype of what could potentially be a thug. So we're going to talk about thugs tonight, y'all. Yeah. And we're going to kind of break it down where it came from, how it derived, and how we've gotten to the point to where we are in the past five years up until today of using the term thug. Yeah. Um, So I had an opportunity to do some research and a lot of this stuff I had no idea. So I've been looking and reading articles and listening to podcasts and listening to um, just recordings and interviews around the term thug. And I was like blown away. I was like, this is crazy. Because all I really knew was the context of how we use it in the hood. Yeah. You know, so I I really didn't know the other side. I didn't know the historical context. I didn't know where it came from or how we even got to the point to where we were using it the way that we were using it. Um, so throughout my research, I learned a lot and I bust a lot of myths for myself. Mm. And hopefully tonight we share some of the learnings um, from the research that I've done and also just kind of have casual conversation like we normally do and talk about thug, <laughs> straight thug around this piece, y'all. All right, I'm done. You done? Okay. Yeah, I'm done okay. for right now, but then I get back in once I get past this because, you know, I got to get serious for when I'm reading through my uh, my research. You're so funny. You know, I got to be serious, so... Uh, when we talk about thug, uh, let's even like like zoom in a little bit more. In the U.S., mm. thug is a loaded term. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree? Uh, yes, for many reasons that we'll probably get to, and I kind of don't want to like spoil the. Yeah, no but, spoiler okay, alerts. No, no, spoiler no, alerts. no, no, no. All right, so I'll just kind of wait it out until we get there. Yeah, please <laughs> okay. do that. So in the U.S., the, the the word thug, the phrase, the term, the buzzword thug is a loaded term. Um, it surfaced a lot in the recent you know months and a couple of years back to 2015, kind of where it really emerged from, which we'll talk about a little bit when we get down to that part. Um, but it's usually surrounding protests. And and more so recently and definitely within the past five years, protest against the death of black men, unarmed black men in various American cities. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how we've gotten to where we are and how we've seen the term uprise in the past five years um, surrounding protest against the deaths of black men, unarmed black men in various American cities. But so, is this is this like a coined negative term or a coined positive term? Coined negative. Okay. Um, yeah, coined negative term. So, we, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the context of, of how it became negative and, gotcha. and the history behind it. So we're going to take a, deep, a deeper look into the word thug and shed some light on the historical context of the buzzword capital T, capital H, capital U, capital G. Why are you capitalizing T hug, also known as thug. T hug. Why are you capitalize it all? Because I want to make sure. We, we, yeah, you know, thug. Emphasis. I'm saying it with thug. You, nobody, when they use the term thug, and even if you have heard it used, nobody don't be like, we're going to talk about the thugs, y'all. They be like, <laughs> these thugs, you know, they get that thug. All capital. All caps. So I'm going to do it like that. Do it. So I looked up a couple of definitions and I'm going to read out those definitions. Um, When I started my research, I was like, why not start with like how thug is defined Mm -hmm. according to, you know, Webster and um, Oxford and all of those uh, people and they dictionaries. So I'm going to read through a couple of definitions of how the um, buzzword or the term thug is defined. 
one of an association of robbers and murderers in India who practice murder by stealth approaches and from religious motives. Um, another part to that definition is an assassin, a ruffian, a rough. Um, another definition is a cruel... Wait. Uh-oh, go ahead. Well, before you jump in, I just wanted to clarify the Webster Dictionary definition that you just read is from 1913. 1913. That's a huge a, yes. contextual environment right there that we need to look at because it's not from modern day. Yes. It's from 1913. Yes. Okay, continue. Definitely that. And then the second one, which is a little bit more modern day, yeah. um, is a cruel or vicious ruffin, a robber or a murderer. So that's more modern day. Um, and then I even took it a step further and I looked it up in the Urban Dictionary. And I don't know why I did that, but I just wanted to see what the Urban Dictionary what had to say. The Urban Dictionary had all kind of definitions. And I was just like, none of these are even worth me even adding to the notes and even talking about. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was it was like, and you know what? The Urban Dictionary took some of the the context and how it is. Um, described or defined in the black community. So it was talking about like a person who has um, made it through adverse situations and they've overcome and they define, some people define it as heroes, kind of like the modern day Robin Hoods, you know, stealing mm. from the poor, giving to, or stealing from the rich, giving to the poor or providing for themselves. And it just, it was a list that went on and on. And I was just like, okay, Urban Dictionary, you didn't let me down because this is what I expected of you. I can't use any of it, but this is what I expected. But yes, I even, I just wanted to see while I was looking up definitions. Urban Dictionary. Yeah. So um, what I did was I, I then went and pulled some articles and, and I tried to make sure that they were from um, places that, you know. Um, reputable. Yeah, reputable. Yeah. So, um, I kind of grabbed a little bit here and there, and we'll put all of these in the in the show notes. So to give you a little bit of history, the word, um, it didn't enter the English language until about the 1800s during the British emperor rule of India. Mm. So that's where it came from. That's when it entered the English language. Prior to that, it originated in India. The word thug, it traces back to its roots. Um, of Hindu, and um, it comes from the word thag, which means thief or swindler. And then that derived from the um, Sanskrit, I want to make sure I pronounce this, I don't know how to pronounce these, but the Sanskrit verb. Um, shaskadi. Yeah, shaskadi. 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 And that means to conceal. So um, if you look at where that came from, Thug finds its roots in the Hindu word thag, hmm. um, which translates into thief. Interesting. Yeah. So um, kind of how that came about and, and during, you know, that time in the 1800s, 19th century, um, it was this group and they were identified as the thuggies. And then they also used it and it was spelled different. And the second um, word that was used was the tugi or tug. And um, they were believed to be a professional organization of criminals and assassins who reportedly had strangled thousands of people of in, on India's roadsides. So basically what they would do is they would hang out uh, and um, they would befriend travelers and people who are along the roads and kind of gain their trust and, and kind of join into a community with them. And then what they would do is they would murder them, hide their bodies, and then take all of their belongings. And their choice of murder was through strangulation. Um, and, and that's kind of what they did. And what, and what would happen is the people, um, these thuggies, what they would do is they would pass that down through generations to their sons. Mm -hmm. And then also if they came up on um, people who were on the roadsides that had younger kids, they would not kill the kids. They would just kill the parents and then they would take the kids oh my and then convert them over and make them thuggies as well. So that's how they built their militia and that's how they built, you know, who they were. Wow. Yeah. It's like violent forms of gypsies. Yeah. 
Interesting. Exactly. So, so I never knew this before. So that's where it came from. So it derived from the the Hindi. So that's what you know. The history says. Um, obviously, during this time, um, the British were you know ruling over India, and um, some historians. And when I was reading through articles and listening to um, you know different resources. It has been claimed, and I tell you, when I say this, like, in my mind, I was like, you know what? I can believe this. Like, they ain't even had to say it has been claimed. But it has been claimed by some historians that the British exaggerated or invented the aspect of the thug or the thuggies to justify their control over the over India and the situation and what was going on of people trying to survive. Mm. And as soon as I read that mm. over and over and over and heard it over and over and over, I was like, I believe that. Yeah. But, but I wanted to make sure that that I uh, represented it the way that it was presented to me. Yeah. And it says it was claimed by some historians. Yeah. <laughs> In order for them to make that claim, like there has to have been some substantial evidence. evidence. Like, yes. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, you know what? I believe it. These Brits, I believe it. Yeah. That's what they were known for. Yeah. Controlling the situation, controlling the people, controlling the goes, outcome. This goes back to last week's episode, Manifest Destiny and do whatever it takes to expand your territory. Absolutely. Because even like you told me tonight, you're like, I didn't know the British ruled India for that long. I didn't know for that long. 1947. Yeah, that's a long time. I mean, they ju- India just gained its independence from British rule. 1947. I was like, oh my goodness. And you think the British had... <laughs> I'm just going back to all of our talks of like American Say control it. and the way that this country was built through violence. Well, that's a learned behavior. Okay. And if Americans came from Britain, I'm sorry, but if it's learned behavior, then it came from somewhere. So how do we control and conquer territories through violence right so i can see how this how there could probably be very very circumstantial evidence that points to the fact yeah that thugs are they maybe they were gypsies right and even if they did use violent tactics at times it's hard to justify an imperial nation with its imperial militia coming in and eradicating them in the name of safety. Right. And that's what happened. I mean, if if you get down to my next point, around the 1830s, somewhere around there, the British was like, okay, y'all, these people, they're getting too powerful. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're starting to uprise. They're starting to create too much noise. We need to figure out a way to get this under control. This is me giving my narrative from what I read in the research. So around the 1830s. They're probably the, sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. They're probably the poor working class trying to come up and start a revolution against the ruling elite British individuals who had no historical context of their country or origin or religions or culture. (laughs) Yeah, I agree 100%. So around the 1830s, what the British did was they was like, okay, this is getting out of control, y'all. We need to get these people back in line and we need to start by hunting down these thuggies. So what they did was they said, hey, let's go capture. Let's go get all these thuggies. And they rounded up and captured probably about, I think the number was around 4,000, 4,000, 5,000, right? Mm. And what they did was executed half of them. Nice. There you and go. imprisoned the other half. There's, there are two ways <laughs> to get rid of people you don't want around. You kill them or you imprison them. There you go. Right? Does this sound like a, a... This sounds shockingly familiar. You know, does this sound familiar? To things that happened <laughs> in America. You know, so... Continue. So, so, yeah. So, that's what happened. They killed half of them and they imprisoned the other half, right? Uh, yeah. So, Surprise. when all of this went down, mm-hmm. 
It was the eradication of the thuggies or the toogies hmm. or the toogs. That's that also what they were called. The oh, okay. Okay, okay. But okay. we're going to use the term, you know, they used all of them interchangeably. Gotcha. But thug was actually used in the thugs. Interesting. And the thuggies during that time, the thuggies is what they called them. So hmm. um, they quote unquote eradicated all the thugs by imprisonment or death. Hmm. That's crazy. So I'm just like the historical. Basically, con- the yeah. entire story of the world as yeah, we know it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The historical context it runs deep in, yeah. it. and I'm pretty it sure makes sense. it makes sense. And I'm pretty sure that I'm some surprised. people know this history of the term. Yes. And when they're using it the way that they're using it in today's time, which Oof. we're going to get to next, yes, is I mean it, it's equivalent. Yeah. And it's the same people. So, um, you know, what happens then is, you know, Mark Twain, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Mark Twain. And I actually have a book of Mark Twain's like quotes, like his, his most. That's interesting. I know. Um, and and it's in my office and somebody gave that book to me. Who? I'm curious who Uh, thought it was appropriate to give that book to you. It was a white man. Okay. I'm not saying it's not appropriate. I'm, not I'm just go- saying, I wonder who yeah, thought I'm that not going to say his name, but a white okay. man gave me a book. Okay. And I just held on to it. And, you sure. know, I flipped through it every now and then and read some of it. Sure. Um, and then I'm going to tell you, he said one of the things that Mark Twain said, and I was just kind of like, all right, I can get on board with that. He's speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. But um, Mark Twain was one of the first Americans to report on the group, the Thuggies. Mm-hmm. And um, based on his op- um, observations and in his book, um, the thuggies appeared or the thugs appeared. And the book is following the equator, a journey around the world. So American writers in the 19th century continued to write about the thuggies and the thuggies class. And they're kind of responsible for introducing the word thug into the wider English speaking population. Interesting. And, and Mark Twain was the first to kind of do that in his book. And then other writers kind of took it on. They were like, oh, let's see what's, what, what's going on with these thuggies out here or these the thuggies class. And, and that's kind of how it kind of made its way through the English speaking population. So I thought this was interesting. And I dug a little deeper into Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. And Mark, because Mark Twain is very controversial for people. Yeah. Honestly, historians cannot figure out to Which side day, <laughs> is he racist? Is he not racist? <laughs> he can't figure it out. And it's because he did not. He would. He didn't care about political correctness, right? Right. But part of Mark Twain. And so, along with that, comes stories of him. Really, like he has some very colorful and sometimes very terrible language in Mm -hmm. regards, especially to native Americans. Right. Um, but one of the things that he's very adamant about is as a boy hit one of his good friends was a black slave. Mm -hmm. And in addition to having this experience one-on-one with a, with a black child, he also had the narrative from his family of the term thug. And what he was told was thugs were bad, they mm-hmm. were violent, yep. and they were a coined term that somehow in his day had made its way from India, mm-hmm. probably through media, to the United States to also denote the black population. Right. And to denote the violence in the black population at the time. And so it was always told to him in some way of like a scary, like watch out for thugs. Yeah. It's a scary. And so, and he was very concerned about this, but at the same time he had a black childhood friend. And so throughout his entire life, he struggled with the dichotomy of those two things. And that's when he went on the journey to India to right. figure out what a thug actually is. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yes. You summed that up perfectly for me. And one of the things that you said, which during the research and it's not in the notes, but it definitely stuck into my head when I said Mark Twain kind of, you, you never knew which side he was on. He was controversial so Very. much to the point that when he was writing about the thugs or the thuggies class in his books, he referred the same actions that were associated with the thuggies class 
to the white men, <laughs> the British of that time. Right. And he did that in the book. Yes. And he's also he's also been very outspoken about the fact he's been very outspoken about the fact that white Americans owe when he was alive, that white Americans owe reparations to black individuals who were enslaved, who are now Americans because of what we did to them. And he's been very outspoken Mm -hmm. for that. And the interesting thing about Mark Twain in historians trying to figure out how do we categorize him is because he was very, um, it seemed like there was one group that he cared about. Yeah. And he wrote very, um, unflattering and sometimes vicious things about other groups but for for that credit you know it's a conversation we had earlier of like you need the good with the bad you need it and there was good Mm -hmm. and mark twain did a lot of good and he did a lot of bad a lot of bad um and so i think that's why historians still struggle with that yeah but it also goes along with what my next point is um is that it's kind of like we started the game of telephone and it's like Mm -hmm. the people you know, like that he did that benefit what he did that benefited them. They're like, well, let's just tell this part of the story and kind of how this part was and share it in this way. And for everyone else who, and and I'm guilty that doesn't know or will not do the research or will not read the whole book. They'll hear what we say or take what we say. And that's it. And that'll help us spread the message the way that we want it to go out. And that's kind of how it happened. It's like the game of telephone. And and that's when the different interpretations um, and and the different perceptions were kind of added into the mix as it became into the English population, English speaking population. Hmm. So it's like the game of telephone. It's like, you know, they're like, well, I heard somebody say this. And, you know, Mark Twain said this about those thugs. What do you think? And as opposed to going and reading the whole thing or getting the full um shot where he talked about hey we talking about these thugs but these white british men doing the exact same thing as these thugs so do we call them thugs too (laughs) no they had paramilitary why would you do that exactly (laughs) sometimes just sometimes just sent the regular militia and it didn't matter exactly so so um and 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 that's kind of you know where mm-hmm. I stopped with the re- well where I stopped with the research we're talking about it tonight. I mean, it goes a lot deeper and it talks about there's yeah. a lot more in transition to how we got to where we are now. But we're gonna skip ahead a little bit for the sake of time. If you want to do the research, like I said, I'll drop the articles and and um, the resources that I use to learn more about it and listen to in the show notes. But let's talk about Thug in the New Age um, and kind of how it's used now and we'll even go back to 2015 to where it kind of took the uprise and is like out there out there Hmm. um so one of the things that jumped out and i want to get this out the way right now at the very beginning and hit it dead smack in the mouth okay um thugs in the new age and as i read through and kind of looked at some of the more recent articles some people would say that the term thug has now become the new n-word and i saw that over and over and over multiple people saying that or either multiple people multiple people agreeing that i can see that or i can get on board that i can agree with Mm -hmm. how it's being used when it's being used it's being represented or used as the new N-word. Right. As like a way to really be derogatory. Right. It's kind of like, you know, switching it up. Yeah. And it's like, well, we know we can't say that because that doesn't sound right. Yeah. But this word right here, like they haven't given us much grief about it yet. Or they don't even know the history or don't really understand the context of it that much. So we can just throw yeah. it out there. Um, and, and that's what I saw over and over and over. Well, I mean, before we even looked at this word, and again, you did all the research for this episode, so I just get to glean off the notes that you have right here. But I was thinking about when you came to me and said, let's do thug today. And I was like, okay, great. I know nothing about this word except my perceptions based on what I what I not even learned. I think there's like a culture and Mm -hmm. this is perpetuated. 
and I hate, I don't know, maybe this is not the right time to talk about it because I don't want to give too much away, but I feel like for me, the term, we can just roll with it. Okay, perfect. So I never equated the term thug to the, to the N word. Mm-hmm. Which again, we say oh, we're PG. We try to be a PG podcaster. Yeah, if you don't know what the N word is, send me a DM <laughs> on Instagram, on Twitter, Please on Facebook at I am Daryl Lovett. I A M D A R R Y L L O V E T T on any social media platform, and I'll be glad to have a conversation with you about it. So anyway. What I thought of right away was my has been my perception either a growing up or in the media about what this word means. And this word to me as a person in the white community, I can see how people are equating this even before we talk through this and through understanding what this means now, but I can see how it equates to the N word because for me, it was very um, derogatory. It was meant as derogatory. It was meant as somebody who um, is worthless, maybe, or mm-hmm. or perpetuates maybe some violence. Or, you know, the term that I think of a lot is <laughs> like a wannabe. Or like they're trying really hard to... Maybe they get away with some criminal acts, but they're still in their community. And it was always, always in reference to a black individual. Right. Always. So for me, that's where it came from. And even like hearing the term thug, I'm like, okay, I've heard it in rap songs, but I don't really know what it means. But I know that like, I would never say it. And if that's the case as a white person, I would never say it. Then it probably has a very derogatory meaning in my head. Right? Yeah. So that's kind of the background. That's kind of where, what I've always thought about that term, but we've heard it a lot more recently in media. Yeah. And, and one of the things is that, you know, it's a, it's a term that was used previously and, and more so recently. Um, but when it was assigned to black people and they started labeling black people as thugs from the research that I found was like around the like eighties, you know, late seventies, mid to late seventies and in the eighties is when it was like assigned to black people. When you assign a word specifically to a certain group of people, you're weaponizing that word. Yeah. And the reason why it was assigned was because of the um, living conditions and then some of the things that were occurring within the black or urban communities. Mm. And that's how the word got assigned to them. So it's like um, people were identified as like savages, animalistic, unable to be tamed um, because they were in the living conditions that they were and they were trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the word was used throughout history f- for black people around the like 70s, 80s as mm-hmm. thugs. Um, and, and then also around like, you know, in, in history, the word was used when it was used in other contexts outside of the black community or on the black people. It was, you know, periodically used like to other people or countries that pose as a threat to the U.S. An example of that would be when President George W. Bush referred to the insurgents in Iraq as thugs and assassins. Weaponizing terms. Weaponizing the term, right? So it was used in one of two ways. The black community, which it was assigned to them in the 80s, outside the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, or to these type of groups, insurgents in Iraq. So it was like no positive connotation to it at all. It was either animalistic, these savages, they're unable to be tame, these black people in these communities who are marginalized, doing what they need to do to survive those thugs. Here's the re- okay. I almost, I'm trying to figure out if I want to say it right now. I, I, if yes. it, 
Yeah, you can say whatever. Here's you the reason say. I don't like when politicians weaponize terms like thugs in relation to any type of group. It's because it, it we we talked about this this weekend when we when we traveled and we were having these really in, good and intense conversations with our friends. But we talked about the fact that these terms are meant as dog whistles mm-hmm. to garner support from people who already have a perceived notion, like I did growing up, that thugs are a certain type of people. They represent a certain type of thing without understanding the history. Right. They're dog whistles to that group to garner support. And this is why it makes me so mad, but go ahead. Yeah. So, (laughs) and, and what it did was it took the term that derived from India and the context of the term was around actions. Mm -hmm. It took the term and took it away from the actions and assigned it to a person, a group of people, a person. So therefore the term no longer was about the actions. When the thuggy class were people who were out doing a certain thing and that's where they got assigned that class from Mm -hmm. associated with that term. They took that and took the actions out of it and assigned just the term to people so it became about the people, not about the actions. Hmm. And that's what happened when it was assigned to the black people. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And, and most of them were living in the urban communities. And regardless of their behaviors or what was going on, because of who they were based on the color of their skin, they were defined as thugs. Crazy. So not crazy. I'm not crazy. surprised I'm just at all. Like, man, <laughs> I'm look, I'm I'm dropping y'all this knowledge right now. It y'all, is. This it knowledge. is knowledge. Yes. You know, I didn't know any of this. I didn't either. I'm I just didn't know any of this, but I'm not surprised though. <laughs> because we see this in modern day politics. We see it. This is exactly what happens yeah. right now. This is this is the story that always has been, that always will be in politics until yeah. we get. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take it a step even okay. further, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm black. So I'm going to say this. I'm not speaking for all black people. I'm speaking for myself and a large percentage of the black people that I know. Like when you throw something known as like that to hold us down or to define us or classify us as something that isn't representative, representing of who we are, what we do, we adopt that thing and we flip it. Just like the N word, you know, within our culture, mm-hmm. we said each other means something different than if yeah. a white person says it with the er on the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So we adopt that thing, we flip it, and 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 we change it and and you know adopt it to our culture. So like we do with many things, and the N word, we took this term thug and we adopted it and we redefined it. And then we began to use it in our music, in our culture, in our lifestyle, in our way of living. Hmm. So then we created our own definition. So you had where it derived from to how the British people took it and perpetuated it out to how throughout time, the definition molded and shifted how it was assigned to a group of people and then we as black people took it and was like, okay, cool. We done been through this before. We know what y'all going to do. We got this. Boom. We adopted it. We flipped it on y'all haters. Like, now what? So with that being said, in the black community, and this is according to the research. Now, I'm, this is Daryl removing himself. According to the research, thug in the black community was defined as somebody who was a roughing is what they called it, or who was tough, and they had a sense of resiliency. Hmm. So that's kind of how the black community took it. They were like, oh, thugs, all right, that's what y'all want to say. That ain't really what it is. Hey, hey, yo, what up, y'all? Hey, black people, they saying we thugs? Well, we thugs because we resilient. We thugs because we rough and we tough and we'd have been through it and we survived. So that's what it is. So when they call you a thug, 
you apply your definition, our definition, the community definition of what thug is. Bump what they saying. So they like those thugs over there. We like, yeah, we know because we resilient, baby. What's up? <laughs> like we adopted and we flipped it on them. Right. And then so much to in the early 90s, we even started making songs about it, identifying ourselves as it. And we started making moves in the thug industry, the thug life, right? And a lot of people might know if I say this name, y'all be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get you hype, Tupac. <laughs> he had thug life tattooed on his stomach. Hey. You know what I'm saying? So we took that thing, adopted it and flipped it. And then, you know, the image, it wasn't about the negative things. It was about who we were as a people and how we've overcome and how we're resilient. And it also represented how we were tough. And it also gave us a hint of like heroism. Hmm. So we took that thing and flipped it. Right. Mm -hmm. So just to give you a couple of like snippets of how we did that through the music, we got Tupac, right? So we got Tupac and then not only do we got Tupac, we got, Bone Thugs in Harmony. Hey. I mean, in the name, Bone Thugs in oh, Harmony. Yes. Y'all don't know who Bone Thugs in Harmony is? I, some of our listeners are young. Yeah. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers. But we are against those thugs. Thugs. It's the thuggest, thuggest Man, I grew up on that. Like, just now, I probably could have let that ride out. That is a clear example of a white, most likely politician, saying something very negative about thugs. And then the black community taking it and being like, okay, flip it. Flip it. Here you go. It's the thuggish, ruggish bone. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I remember riding out to that. But for the sake of this podcast episode, y'all, <laughs> we giving y'all the historical context behind the term, the buzzword, thug. You know what I'm saying? That's uh-huh. just one. Yep. Here go another one. All right. So I spent a lot of my years in Florida, right? Okay. And and this is one of the patriot patriarch. Is it patriarchs? Sure. Patriarchs. Patriarchs, arcs, not arts, arcs. Patriarchs, of yeah, Florida? I said arcs, like, not arts. Patriarchs, of patriarchs, rap and rap for arcs. Oh, yeah. there's a rap Florida. You know what I'm saying? So we had one of my mans that I, you know, ride with, you know, and I, I knew the lyrics. I don't know what this world's gonna bring, but I know one thing: that this is the life for me. You probably can finish it. Like some of my people who, you know, Florida, Florida, Floridians. Floridians. Even outside of Florida, <laughs> y'all know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Hold on. Let me drop this real quick for y'all one time. Drop hold it. on. Hold on. Let me drop it. I got to stop it because I want to make sure I stay within the guidelines of the copyright, you know, putting music in. I think we got to stay under 60 seconds, right? Something like that. Something like that. So anyways, trick you the ride out. <laughs> and we used to be jamming the trick, cause baby, because I'm a thug all day, every day, baby, because I'm a thug. Mm. And we were using that. We were saying we are resilient. We've overcome adversity. 
We are rough and tough because of our life experiences. And that makes us a thug because we can handle and take on anything that comes at us. We took it and flipped that thing. Yep. Oh my goodness. I'm about ready to call it the hypocrites. So you about ready to call it the what? Hypocrites. Oh my goodness. That I just got hyped off trick just now. You was hyped. So, so I'm just I'm just ready. Anyway, so anyway. I got I gotta get through this, y'all. Yeah, get through it so I can call it the hypocrites. So so that's kind of how it was put on and assigned to the black people. And that's kind of what the black people in the black community did. And in the early nineties, I mean, they imposed it in everything that they did, even the music as, as I just let you listen to. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, after that happened and, and the black people kind of took it on and they were proud of it and, and they were using it as a way to uplift the black community. It kind of white people. They're like, oh, I'm, I bet the white people probably jamming out the baby because I'm a thug. That was like, my hypocritical Is that your hypocritical? Because I'm sure I the bone thugs and hum- you remember that? Having friends in high school jamming that out to the bone thugs and hum- convinced they were thugs. Boop, boop, boop. And let's talk about how the, the fact that I went to an all-white high school in a town of 2000. And they were all convinced that they were thugs in high school because they were listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony and and Tupac and Dr. Dre and and all of those. Okay, right? And so they were convinced of that. And it's so funny because the same individuals Uh, are now... (laughs) Girdle. Girdle. Are we we not ready yet? Go ahead. Or are now heavy Trump supporters. supporters, Mm, The mm, same mm, individual mm. who uses that term in a derogatory manner towards everybody who's not white. Everybody who's not white. They used to write thug life on a stomach with a permanent marker. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, anyway. I know we got to get through this for the sake of time. Okay, we really did. But, yeah. but I did some research. I had to get all this out. We yeah, had about the forty-five yeah. minute mark, so we gonna we gonna kind of bring it all together. Okay, go ahead. So where are we now with mm. the term thug? Okay. Um, obviously, we talked about music, and I did a little research there, and the term thug or the phrase um, or the buzzword thug appears in over five thousand lyrics of songs or artists by name. That's great. Over 5,000. Um, and most of them, and that's in the in the hip-hop, like, genre alone. Is it going to appear anywhere else? I don't know. I just had to say that, though. Okay. Going to the research, that was in the hip-hop genre okay. alone. Maybe some wannabe um, country you know, singers. Rap, I don't know. You know, rap genius gave me that. Over 5,000 songs and, and um, artist names. So I gotcha. But where are we now with the term thugs? You know, this could have been probably a whole episode by itself. Probably could have. You know, words they've really never kept their like true meaning over time. Sure. But there's always an undertone or a historical context to the word mm-hmm. when it's being used by certain people, and especially when you trace it all the way back to the white people that came over here and and you know did everything that they did <laughs> and went over there and took people and brought them over here. And all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to tackle that tonight. But it never, you know, keeps its meaning. It kind of transitions is how it's being used. And, and in today's time, it transitioned even a little bit more and how it was assigned and now how it's being used to, like you said, um, weaponize people. Yeah. It's almost by like identifying them as thugs. a thug. It's almost like a politically correct way to say the N word. Yeah. While also, like I said, being used as a dog whistle to rally support bases of white people who don't want other people who are not white encroaching on privileges they think that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. 
and we talked about it a little bit and then i'm going to turn the mic over to you because um my my stuff is coming to an end okay and if that's the end of it that's the end of it but but to kind of bring it to 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 how we are where we are right now yeah um we talked about 2015 um during the protest in, in baltimore maryland after freddie gray you know he died in police custody and we all know what happened there if you don't you can go look that up anywhere just google his name um and and that's kind of when we saw the the term thug start is uprise now here's the thing and i want to be very clear to let you all know we about the facts um we about the research and the content President Obama even said during that time, like he used the term thugs. He said it. The mayor of Baltimore even used the term thugs when the rioting and the protesting and stuff broke out. Now, here's the thing. And and this was also kind of um, in the articles and and multiple people, multiple people agree with it. And there were some people that, you know, opposed it. And, And I completely get it and this is just Daryl's take on it from my upbringing and my knowledge and understanding of the term thug and based on the research what what I see through my lens when you know President Obama and this is not to justify you know him in any way but when he used it um, I think that it was used in a way that the black community understands it when the mayor who was black when she used it i think it was used in a way that the black community understood it but you know obviously they said it and the media can take it and flip it whichever way they want to and can add any narrative that they want to it and it they did that so much that the mayor came back and like tried to retract her statement and was like okay y'all first of all wait a minute y'all are totally taking my words and twisting them. That's not what I meant by it. They're like, but you use the term thug Mm -hmm. based on whose definition? The white people definition Mm -hmm. and how they used it in the media. Yeah. And this was on the heels of a blow up that I honestly, you probably know a lot more about because I don't follow football in this way, but this is on the blow up of the heels of the NFC championship in 2014, mm-hmm. when Richard Sherman had a long, not even long, it was a very short, very um, interview, emphasized yep. interview and speech after that game. And after he said whatever he said, because I actually did not look up what he said before we recorded this. But after he said that, people in the media and just everywhere started calling him a thug and he took exception to that as he should have. And so I think that the president, the mayor were cut or the governor. It was the mayor. The mayor. Yeah. The mayor. We're coming on the heels of this 2014 incident. And you know, sometimes you're using, like you said, you're using a word that other people have taken, have manipulated and its original meaning is one that you just can't get away from. So, you know, I'm just I'm not going to sit here and be like, OK, Trump says it in almost every speech that he gives in his rallies today and throughout all of his four years of presidency that he's given rallies. Right. He says it almost every time. And I think that's inexcusable. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think it's excusable that Obama and the mayor at the time also said it. Yeah. Yeah. And they did. They said it. And she tried to retract her words and say, okay, wait a minute. Y'all taking this the wrong way out of context. Um, but yeah, they both said, it, and I want to acknowledge that they said it. And, and it's, you know, yeah. there is evidence and proof. Um, but I think also even from there to now, that was like five almost six years ago yeah. to now how it's even being used and when it's being used, I think is, is also something to get taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not trying to sway you one way or the other, do your research, um, come up to come up with your own conclusions. I want to make sure I make that very clear. Um, but when it's being used, you know, when it's thugs versus people being rowdy, when it's, you know, terms like animals, 
mm-hmm. being used versus people who are just being mischief when it's destroying their community or it's just, you know, celebration. Um, so, right. Like, how can we use the term thugs in relation to people protesting their civil rights? Right. In regards to a movement about whose skin color matters in America, because it's very clear if you look at evidence versus saying like, oh, well, they're just a bunch of thugs who are destroying everything. Like, come on, people. There's not. Come on. So. To, to kind of bring it all together and to wrap it up, um, and, and I definitely, like I said, we're not swaying you one way or the other. Go do the research yourself. And, and obviously, you're going to have your own opinion and yeah. have your own feelings about it. But the way that I feel, I can speak for me because this is my podcast. And I can say what I want to. Um, I feel like there is a racial charge behind how it's used now. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Um, based on when it's used, the way that it's used, and the person or people that are using it. Yeah. I feel like there is a racial charge behind it now. I believe that it is a code word. Yeah. This is just me speaking, personally me. So I believe that it is a code word. Um, And and, and even if it is, the way that I feel, and there may be some people that are not in a a mental capacity that i am i really to just use the word and don't code around it like yeah i can handle it i can deal with it straight up you know what i mean so um i am daryl lovett on all social media platforms um (laughs) also one of the things that um hasn't changed is the theme of power over people yeah and the way that it looks yeah. So I feel like the people that are saying thugs this and look at these people and they're yeah. thugs. First of all, I don't think they even understand the historical context and no. even go back to the 80s when it was assigned to a group of people. No. And I think they're just kind of just caught up in the mix and they're people that don't read and don't research. <laughs> um, and I'm not even saying the research that I, 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 it's credible now. I tell you that. But it might not even be everything a full story. So go and do your own and find out as much as you can. And if you want to share something with me, yeah. I'll definitely take that on and read it and, and continue to educate myself. But um, the, the the common theme is that it is surrounded around power over people yeah. and a certain group of people. And that certain group of people, based on my research and, and to my perception, just happens to be black and brown people. That's the only way it's ever been used. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it. You know, I'm trying to make sure that... You're giving an unbiased. I'm giving an unbiased, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, since the 2016... Since 2016... Yeah. I believe that this has been weaponized heavily. Yeah. In America. So, um, and, and one other thing, since I said I'm not going to be biased, is the term thugs or thug and how it's being used has, you know, produced violence and been products of violence. If if you're going to assign it to the black people, right? Based on the definition, according to, you know, whoever the people that say that it's about violence, it's about murder and all of this stuff. Well, those are the people that have power. Right, the people that have power. We can say that. We'll identify them as people that have power. Like, I agree with it. But I think that you have to look at the root of it. And when you take the actions out of it and you assign it to a group of people just based on who they are. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the whole picture. Yeah, I agree. You know, so. And it is important as we're learning, as we learn more about American history and context of words and terms and things that happened. And we help bring that to all of you, it's also important to think about what is the real story behind what happened between Britain and India. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over that because I think that has a major impact on the term as we know it, the term as it's been defined and the term as we use it today. And right. I don't want to gloss through that. Absolutely. I think, that's super I think that is very important. And I know that there is still some healing to be done during my research with some things that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. Um, Yep. What happened then? And, and we say like 1947. That wasn't that long ago. Wasn't long ago. We say the same thing about you know when slavery ended and when really segregation. Segregation like, was definitely not. That long you know, ago. it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So 
Um, as we as we kind of you know bust these buzzwords and terms, we just want to educate you, give you a little bit more insight and knowledge, or even get you to thinking about it differently than what you thought or perceived the meanings or definitions or how these words were um, or are being used. So yeah. um, hopefully this gave you some insight. Hopefully you go and do even more research um, and, um, you know, the term thug, hopefully you know where it came from. <laughs> it means something different in the yeah. different communities. Um, and, and our whole thing is to bridge the gaps between like, racial yes. boundaries. Like that's what it's about. And by, you know, tackling these buzzwords, you know, that's a way that we can do that. So, yeah. Before the next time that you use thug, think about what you're saying. Well, and now you know how it will be perceived and how it will impact and affect people. Yep. Until the next time, we are out. Bye. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on any podcast platform and make sure that you rate us. Also, we do have a YouTube channel if you prefer to watch our antics, and we also provide closed captioning. And if you want to know more about us, go check us out on our website at successinblackandwhite.com, or you can reach out to us directly on social media. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all platforms.